Hello and welcome to IT Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joel Ward, and with me is George. George is the founder of Dynavap. George, how are you doing today? I'm having a pretty awesome day, Joel. That's awesome. Uh, That's thanks awesome. so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate uh, it. No, the honor's mine. I really, you know, uh, a product like this deserves to be heard, and I, I'm glad you chose my show to share your thoughts and your product on my show. Well, well, here we go. Let's. Uh, how, how can I best uh, help you and your audience understand what it's all about? Yeah, so let's first talk about what is Dynavap and what made you what made you do it. What, what's the backstory on Dynavap? Okay. So Dynavap is a bit of an oddity when it comes to companies. Uh, it's it's a company that was kind of born out of the pursuit of what I would refer to is a better alternative to smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and this this all kind of began uh, almost ten years ago now uh, when. I was searching for that better alternative myself as a person that has found a little bit of benefit from uh, a small amount of cannabis consumption Mm -hmm. uh, to just kind of moderate various things and help me be a lot more of that person that I want to be versus uh, maybe the less calm version of me. Right. Yeah. Uh, But I didn't like the smoke. I didn't like the burning sensation. I didn't like the way it made my lungs feel. I didn't like a lot of the the nasty things that kind of came out along with, we'll just say the medicine that I was seeking. Yeah. And, you know, I'd been hearing a little bit about uh, these products in the market called vaporizers. And I'm not talking about your typical nicotine vape that you put in in e-liquid in, which is basically propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, and usually some synthetic nicotine. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a device that allows you to include any sort of botanical product, whether it's a flower, a root, an herb, coffee, beans, tea, any of these things in it. And use nothing more than a little bit of heat to uh, release those compounds, kind of like baking some cookies in your oven. Okay. And when I got the opportunity to finally try one of these things, it was like an epiphany moment for me. It's like, okay, now I understand this makes complete sense. We're doing a very simple process of baking our herbs instead of burning them, releasing the aromas and the active compounds at the same time and leaving everything else behind, not creating smoke, not burning all of the, the, the plant matter and releasing all these toxic compounds. This is really nice. It's way less harsh. It tastes much better. It smells much better. Uh, and on top of that, it's actually more efficient. It uses less product. Okay. What's the downside? Well, the downside is the impetus for the company. And the downside is, at that point in time, the only decent quality herbal vaporizer that you get your hands on was going to be at least 200 if not upwards of three or $400. Mm. And was big and bulky and not very portable and not very durable. So the question popped into my mind. How difficult would it be to make one myself? How complex does this device really need to be in order to function well? And Dynavap as a company exists in the pursuit of answering that question. So, yeah, I'm looking, you know, you sent me a, a product to test out and, and you know, I, I was very just uh, open in the part of the show where I, I don't use that stuff. But, uh, you know, just 
overall feel of the product, you know, your, de- your development process into this, you know, looking at it and feeling it, it's a solid product. And, you know, even, even the instruction booklet you sent with how to clean the product, you know, I don't know if the other product you were talking about, the $200 product was easily, easily cleanable, but this product was, we pulled it apart. We, we messed around with it. We checked it out. You know, it's definitely a solid, smaller device that I can definitely see hitting the market as something very, as a necessity, not like, not like something that someone's going to be like, Oh, you know, what, what's the point of this? This is something that people can actually use. And and that was a huge part of it, Joel, uh, from the very beginning is not can we just make another lookalike product that's mm-hmm. just a cheaper version of something else that's already out there? If we start from scratch, okay, what is a dry herb vaporizer? Well, it's effectively a temperature-controlled oven mm-hmm. combined with a straw. So let's see if we can't figure out the best way to make a very easy to use, very easy to load, very easy to unload, and very easy to clean and maintain temperature-controlled oven with a straw. And what you have in your hands is effectively the results of the refinement of the pursuit of this concept over the course of about 10 years. And and let's actually talk about the one thing I think is the most best part of your product. It's battery-free. There's no batteries. That's right. And that's... I think one of its uh, most appealing qualities is that if we think about our daily lives in, in our modern age, almost everything is powered by electricity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the exception being some of our cars, but that's even changing at a, at a very rapid pace with electric cars. Uh, so that means we either have batteries or we're plugged into the wall and we've got all these electronic parts and components and things that tend to fail over time. You know, for for example, you know, show me a, a, an electronic product that your grandfather purchased that's still in use. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that they don't exist, but they're rare because the re- reality is, as much as we like electronic products, I mean, we're speaking to each other on electronic products. Yeah. They're incredibly useful, but they have very finite lifetimes. And when you're talking about a device that you're using to, uh, you know, whether it's medication or recreation, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's a product you're going to be using regularly, but it's only going to last for a few years. Well, you know, to spend two or $300 on this device, it ends up costing a whole lot per day. But if we can make a device that doesn't require electronic parts and can be made of very durable materials and potentially could last your entire lifetime, well, now we're talking about something that, can not only provide you with a very comfortable and pleasant experience, but can pay for itself again and again and again and still be a pleasure to use. And and it looks like it's easy to replace the parts if needed as well. As well. Uh, it, and this, this is a huge part of what it's all about because as a person that, we'll just say, loves gadgets, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like taking things apart. I like repairing things that are broken. You know, because I don't like to throw things away that still have utility. It's, you know, kind of a a blessing and a curse because I've got a whole lot of things that are broken that I could get around to fixing someday. Haven't yet. Uh, but at the same time, when I get around to fixing them, I can get them fixed. And so when I was going through this initial development stage, it's like, okay, how do I make this device as, as simple as possible, as durable as possible, and is easy to repair 
and even more important than that, upgrade as possible. And so uh, with a lot of thought and a lot of experimentation, we came up with the design that you have that's very modular in nature that allows you to take it apart easily with no tools, clean it with very rudimentary tools if any are even needed because the reality is our products are dishwasher safe. Uh, I saw can, that, yeah. You can drop them in solvent. They're, they're super easy to clean because here again, they don't contain electronic parts. Uh, so repairable, yep. Upgradable, yep. Durable, yep. And on top of that, cost less than pretty much every other device in its class, yep. Last longer than pretty much every other device in its class, yep. What's the downside? Well, it's it still requires a little bit of user control. Mm-hmm. Or is that the upside? And if you think about it from the perspective of what are some of the most satisfying things in the world for a person to use? Well, they're the ones that require a little bit of user control. For example, I see a guitar hanging on your back wall. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, funny story is I don't play that. It's, it was my uncle's, and when he passed, okay. I, I inherited it. So it okay. kind of hangs there as a, in my office as a, as reminder. a reminder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what, what I'm getting at is it doesn't play itself. No, no, it does not. It requires user input. And, you know, if you want to adjust it, well, who does that? Not the device, the operator. Mm-hmm. Our devices are the same way. Some people refer to them as analog in the regard that if you want it to be a little bit hotter, if you want your oven a little bit hotter, well, after this cap clicks, and we can get into that next, you can heat for just an extra second or two. Mm -hmm. Or you can adjust where you heat because adjusting your flame position, if you're using a flame to heat this, adjust the temperature, kind of like turning up the knob on an old analog oven. You can get a little bit hotter, a little bit cooler. You know where the hot spots are if you've used it before. It's one of those things you develop a relationship with the device, and it provides you with that satisfaction of, yep, I know this thing, and I can get it to do exactly what I'm looking for. And, and you know, that's it's, – it's so amazing, you know, that products that are developed by people – and well, I want to go into the development of the product real quick. So when you were developing your first prototype, you know, what the thought process and everything, what – what was the what was the very first thoughts when you put it together and you held it in your hand? Like, was it like thoughts of joy, like I did something, or was it like mm, I can make this better? Like, what was your first prototype like, and what were the thoughts on it? Oh, the first prototype was very rudimentary in fashion. Uh, in in fact, uh, I, I can describe it to you. It was effectively uh, a a glass uh, a screw top vial or test okay. tube. With I took apart a big pen. So I could make a nice little durable straw and I put it inside the glass test tube. Uh, you know, so if this like a test tube and stuck a little straw in there and yeah. just use a flame to kind of heat up the outside of the test tube to see if I could create a little miniature oven and use the straw to extract the vapor that was produced from baking the herbs that were in there. Ugly. <laughs> Difficult to use. Uh, not something that any normal person is going to want to buy. And also breakable. And and breakable, but a very important step in terms of proving the concept that Mm -hmm. hmm, if we make a little heat-resistant oven and make it easy for a person to load it up and heat it to a temperature range that's above the temperature at which the compounds we want evaporate and beneath the temperature at which the compounds or the material catches on fire, 
we're in that kind of Goldilocks zone of thermal extraction. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, one of the things that fascinates me about something like this is that it took someone like you to develop it and, and the brain process to, to make something as, as durable, as easy to use, easy to clean and replacement parts. You know, there's, we, you were just talking about how, you know, some of these products you don't see anymore because they, they don't, they don't last. You know, I, I, a lot of the products I buy, you know, you buy a replacement part, it, you might as well just buy the whole new thing because right. the replacement part costs just as much as the product itself. And, you know, when you look at something like, like, like the, like the, 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 what you, what you, so the vape, the, the vape, you look, yep. you look at, it and, and that's why I would call it like, it's like a vape. Uh, you look sure. at, and you see, like, it comes apart. Like, I don't know people who can see on the, um, on the YouTube video. If you're, if you're interested, watch the YouTube video. Cause I, I showed the picture real quick. Um, the, the parts come apart so easily. And when we were holding this and we were pulling it apart and we were looking at, you know, cleaning, you know, something like this is, is detrimental because you want to make sure you get use out of it. So being able to throw it in the dishwasher, being able to, to wash it, wash it with just solvents it is phenomenal because I don't know of any vape in nicotine wise you can clean. Most of the times when you're done with that, you pitch it and get a new one. You know, you can't reuse something like that. And having something reusable, you know, in my opinion, it is, um, is very is very handy. You know, I, I my buddy, you know, talking about you know what his thoughts were. It was easy to hold. Uh, it, it fits in the pocket. You know, it's discreet. You know, but the main thing that I, I remember them saying was that that when they pulled it apart, they were looking at, it, they were checking it out. They were like, "This is something I've never even seen on the market before." And, and you know, that's something you, you as a, as a developer of this product should be happy is because like you know that you're top of the line of product it's something that someone else sees value in and i see value in, even though I've, I've never something i would never use but you know i see value in products like this because if someone else needed this and they're like well there needs to be someone out there who's going to develop it because they didn't have the tools or opportunity you know someone like you came on the market and was like hey i got this idea you tested a bunch of you know ideas and stuff and came on with this product and you know you've got multiple different ones on your site but like the metal one that i was holding you know i thought that one looked so cool i was like it's futuristic it's like it's it's something you would see on i don't know if you're a video gamer but something you'd see on cyberpunk maybe like something like right. that so yeah, and and that was kind of the intent behind some of those designs is uh as we got a little bit further into uh the growth of our business uh we we did a number of unconventional things you know from the initial prototyping and development to okay how are we going to bring this to market mm -hmm. we could follow what at that point and i think even today is still the kind of the traditional route for an inventor to bring a product to market and that's to you get a generally good functioning device and then you find a contract manufacturer, usually overseas, to make it for you. You buy a large enough volume to get a decent price. And then you sell that volume to a distributor. And you hope that it catches on. And if everything goes smooth, you might make a very small percentage for every device that's sold. This approach has several huge problems. Number one is you're you're putting the the, the manufacturing and the quality control of your device completely in someone else's hands. Mm -hmm. And in order to make any money selling this product, you have to buy a large number of them, which means your ability to iterate and refine is severely restricted because you have to buy so many and you have to sell through most of those to generate enough revenue so that you can create a new 
design. So you can iterate it, you can refine it a little bit, and then you have to buy another large batch. Mm -hmm. So a new company getting started, you're lucky if you can do one or two iterations per year. And so the the evolution of your product is is slow and the refinement process is excruciating. And if your first product out the gate isn't great, now you run the risk, okay, now what am I going to do with all this inventory? I'm just going to dump it onto the market at a discount. And what does that do for your brand? It's all mm. these problems. So we took an opposite approach and it's like, okay, why don't we just make it ourselves? So we bought a CNC machine. And we started making our own parts. And what this empowered us with was the ability to refine our product, especially in those early years, Joel. Mm -hmm. We were making changes, sometimes daily, because we kept very, very low inventory. And we were just barely keeping up with product as it was selling. And when we'd become aware of a problem, whether it was through customer service or just something we came across on our own, I was like, hey, well, let's change that. So we'd change it. Because we were controlling the machines. We were programming the machines. We were making the parts. We were doing the QC, doing the assembly, doing the packaging, doing the fulfillment, the customer service, mm -hmm. the whole thing, and kind of growing the not just an idea, but an entire company around it, effectively creating a research and development company mm -hmm. and a manufacturing company on top of a company based around a product. So I would like to ask then, do you still control that product in your in-house the answer is yes. Okay. And it's an asset, but it's also a potential liability because if we don't manage our resources correctly, well, we've got a whole bunch of machines that need something to do, yeah. right? Um, but uh, it has allowed us to, I think, accelerate the development of our product line much, much faster than going any other route. Mm -hmm. And that's why... Hopefully, uh, you know, it comes across to a person that gets in their hand for the first time is, yeah, this is a really refined product that there's been a lot of thought that's gone into it. It's because the number of refinements and iterations that we've gone through as a company, you know, number in the hundreds, if not the thousands. So let's let's talk about, you know, doing it in-house, you know, you have it in-house, you know, what you're developing in-house. When you first started developing in-house, did you notice a change in, in sales when you started, when people started realizing you yourself were producing this product and able to manage the development of this product? Oh, absolutely. And I think it was instrumental in terms of us being able to get that initial traction because um, when your initial customer base understands who you are as a person and as an initial company that okay, I can get directly in touch with this person. I can give them feedback and they can make a change right away. What that does is that that provides some acknowledgement to the customer base that the company actually cares. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a fantastic way to develop and uh, initiate some momentum for that company when you have happy customers. Yeah. And, and you know, I think the whole thing is said of developing in-house actually gives you as as the the um manufacturer some leeway because people are like wait they manufacture us here they aren't sending it overseas for somebody to like make a cheap product they're making it here in the US you know making a product that I can actually get behind because it's made by someone who cares about their product who cares about the development who cares about the research that went into making this product you know something said about someone who like a lot of the products i buy are, are overseas you know yeah it's it's great and all, 
you know, but sometimes it doesn't last. I, I noticed that your product, you know, the durability of it, you know, when something's made by someone personally, when they take the time to watch every little nook and cranny be made of that product, there's something to be said when, when they, they take the time to develop it. And I think, you know, looking at your product, I definitely see your heart and soul go into every little thing. I, I'm not sure, I'm sure you, I'm sure you don't watch every single one built, but I'm sure you take your time to make sure every, the, the, that the, the, time is done or everything's done correctly and i'm sure you make sure that every time you send it out each vape is is made and processed out the way it should be and and that's that's the whole goal is is to make the as high quality a product as possible but also to be responsible as a company with our own customer service department to make sure that if you do for example have any problems or issues okay just let us know and we'll take care of it yeah simple as that and and that's you know I'm sure you have a great customer service line. I'd actually I like to ask this, and I'm and, and you don't have to answer. So you can you can shy away from this one. I like to. How many people do you employ to to run the company and to uh, to also help with development of the product? Uh, so at at this point we're we're several dozen people. Okay, is, is probably the best way to answer that. Of uh, you know ranging from uh, literally every aspect of the business. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Uh, ordering all the raw materials, machining the parts, cleaning, finishing, QC, inspection, mm-hmm. assembly, packaging, uh, fulfillment, uh, you know, so putting all the orders, printing the mailing labels, shipping them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, we also have our, our research and development and automation. Uh, so we can continue making this high quality product right here in the U.S., we have to be as efficient as possible. Uh, so uh, we, we heavily utilize some neat technology, you know, like the additive manufacturing, 3D printers, to make jigs and fixtures for assembly, for quality checking parts, and even for making a lot of the components that we use for facilitating assembly and automation. So I want to ask, ask you something, and, and this is the off topic from what we're talking about. When when you were developing this, you know, I, I don't know how many years ago it has been since you first developed it, but now that there's so much options like 3D printing, um, fabrication, metal 3D printing, there's so many more options out there. Have you found it easier to produce a product in the year 2022 versus any other year when, when development has like products was so much harder? Because now you can actually have the resources to put the product together yourself. Right. So what I have noticed is it's much, much easier to get a more sophisticated product mm-hmm. to market in a shorter time frame than it was when I first started uh, because technology has progressed substantially. Uh, you know, and there's new options. Yeah, the, the availability of additive manufacturing you know, back in 2012, yes, it was there, but it was rare, right? Yeah. Uh, we didn't start utilizing... Uh, 3D printers until oh, I think it was 2016, 2017. Okay. Uh, and when I when I got the first one, you know, there there's a lot of people in in the company, which our company was pretty small at that point, maybe six or seven people. Like, why did you buy that? What are you gonna do with that? It's like, I'm not sure yet, but I'm sure <laughs> we'll find a, a purpose for it, right? Yeah. And you know, one of the first things that we printed on it was a Lego brick. Just just Yeah, actually, just... not gonna lie, that was the first thing I printed too. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's it's just something to do to oh, that's pretty cool. We can we can print our own Legos. 
Okay. Well, if we can print our own Legos and they fit with other Legos, that means we can make relatively accurate parts. I'm sure we're going to be able to find a use for these things. Yeah. And now if you come visit our, our facility and we actually welcome anyone uh, that's interested in our company or our product to come visit our, our manufacturing facility here in, in Madison, Wisconsin, because we love to show off what we do here. You know, it's funny. Uh, you just, I, I didn't realize it was in Madison, Wisconsin, because we actually have my father's company. We have a, one of our, our own facilities. Our laboratory is out there where we test stuff for my father's company. So if I'm ever cool. out there, maybe I'll reach out and I'll say, hey, I, I'm out in the area. Would you be interested in giving me a tour? Oh, I, I'd love to do it because it's one of those things that it really helps communicate to the community that, yeah, we're not just saying that we make our products here. We'll show you mm -hmm. and we're happy to do so. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's so cool. Cause you know, you have a local company in the U S building parts with like, and stuff within the company, you know, and taking the time to process everything, to ship everything, you know, and, and you only have a few, you know, so many employees, you know, and you're man. And one of the things I talked about yesterday on the show, or was it? Yeah, it was yesterday with someone, they, they only have like maybe a hundred employees and they're able to produce the best customer service. One of the things I have realized with companies with small employee bases has been that they are able to reach more people, they're able to produce a better product, and they're able to produce better customer service. So I'm glad you're keeping a team that is able to produce the same amount of customer service, even than the larger team. You know, you're able to produce and get the product out. Uh, so but I want to talk about research and development. We have like a few minutes left on the show. Okay. Research and development. You know, when you when you go like you have your product out. Are you constantly thinking of ways to make this product better? Are you constantly finding like, are you constantly doing like, like, hey, I'm going to try this today and I'm going to test it myself. And if it works, we're going to put it to market. Are you constantly finding new ways to make a, a different vape uh, or, or a different way to use it? Uh, the, the general answer is yes. Okay. We are on the look for opportunities for improvement and refinement constantly because I think in order for us to remain relevant as, as a company in, in a space that is, like many other industries, getting crowded with other people that are trying to you know, make a living in the mm -hmm. space, it's, it, it takes effort and yeah. it takes opportunities to differentiate yourself from everyone else that's out there. So we're looking for those opportunities. We're looking for, okay, what are people talking about? What are people not happy about? Is there something else out there that, uh, you know, is, is got other people's interest that we should be paying attention to? Is there a new feature that uh, uh, might make our devices even easier to use or mm -hmm. easier to clean or whatever else it might be? Is there a new accessory that we should be uh, investigating? So definitely on the look. And now that we have some resources, you know, whether it's CNC machines or 3D printers, we can go from an idea and a concept that's just in your head to yeah. maybe a quick sketch on a whiteboard or a piece of paper to a CAD drawing to a 3D printed thing to, uh, hey, uh, Jason, can you, uh, can you machine me this part? I need it to have these dimensions. Okay. And sometimes just an hour later, I've got the prototype. Wow. It, it's, uh, it's an amazingly satisfying experience to be able to take a concept from the mind mm -hmm. to a tangible, functional thing in your hand. Sometimes within a single day yeah well george it has been such an honor having you on the show uh i've had such a pleasure talking to you uh for those interested in george's product um you can find it on our website uh at www.ittechtalk.com 
Uh, oh, sorry. I, I said that wrong. Don't scratch that. It was it www.ittechtalkpodcast.com. That was our old website we had a problem with. Uh, do not go to that one. Go to www.ittechtalkpodcast.com. And you can find George's uh, website. You can find his bio. You can find the show. You can listen to the show, watch the video, uh, all within the app, all within the um, website. You know, it's it's such a great opportunity that we get to talk to people like George and, and you know, share their product. And, and one of the things that we built this website on was to share the product and have it available so people can check out the website, check out the links. You know, we used to only share it within the within the um, bio of the show. And, and that wasn't reaching people that wasn't making sales for other companies. And we like to make sales for other companies. So if we can help George and, 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 you know, broaden his scope of customer base, we are going to do that. So that's why we have a website now where we can share information of, of the company. George, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Joel. I really appreciate it. 